If love were food, some of us grew up on little more than a little bite of bread and a bowl of old soup each day. And if a kid were starved nutritionally like that, you'd see it for what it is. It's abuse. It would stunt their growth. They might not be able to run or climb or learn. They might get sick or lose their hair. It would show. And people outside the family notice this kind of thing and they care and they do something. So when you were starved for love and attention as a kid, did something similar happen to you emotionally, psychologically, neurologically? Because that's what's going on. Neglect causes changes that cause illness and learning problems and connection problems with other people. And what I want to talk about today is how neglect can cause real devastating problems, detecting who is safe and who is dangerous who has your best interests at heart, and who is using you. And I want to talk about the price that you might be paying if that's happening for you and you're not yet healing from it, because you can. It's really important that you heal, and I'm here to tell you there is hope. So I got a letter this week from someone I'll call Nora, and she writes, Dear Anna, I have CPTSD as well as ADHD. My parents were immature, emotionally unavailable, and my dad drank a lot, so I'm also a grown child of an alcoholic. Right now, I'm on medication and trying to put my life back together. For almost four years now, I've been dating a guy, let's call him Matt. When I met him online, his pictures and description were great. He seemed to be a mature, intelligent, strong guy. We met and we fell in love. In fact, I felt love for the first time in my life. Our goals seem to be the same, a long-term relationship. I'm circling that because, you know, I'm going to come back through this letter after we read it through one time and talk about what, what you said here. But after a short time, Matt's behavior showed some red flags. He didn't have much time for me as he worked almost 24-7. We met only once a week for several hours. We never went on vacation. We never spent Christmas together and never even spent a whole night together. All of this, he tells me, is because he is worn out by the job. He says he has severe anxiety and he can't do all those things with me now, but one day, when he gets proper rest, he will. Okay, when I first understood the situation, it was shocking. I had never been with a man who had so many limitations. I knew deep in my gut that this situation wasn't good for me, but of course, I thought that I could handle this. And since I felt I found my true love, it was worth fighting for. But here we are, almost four years later. Not much has changed. We don't live together. We meet once or twice a week. We never spend whole nights together. And my man shows more and more signs of his PTSD and other problems. He claims he loves me. I am the woman of his life, and soon everything will change. He went to psychotherapy yesterday. He knows that there is something really wrong with him. A year or two ago, I would have considered the fact he went to a therapist a dream come true, but now it just isn't. I guess I'm just worn out by the relationship, especially by waiting for him to get his shit together and finally be with me like a normal couple. I wanted to be with him from the beginning, to live with him, to go on trips, to spend holidays together. I didn't get any of these, and I really don't know if I ever will. During the four years I've been seeing Matt, I've had a lot of hard things happen. First, I lost the job I loved. I was a television reporter. 
It took me a long time to get another job, but I didn't have the same money and prestige. I found out my parents had to move to another apartment because they were not paying their rent. Then three years ago, my father died. Then a nephew took his own life. I had to change my job two months ago for another job I don't really like that much and that doesn't pay enough to support myself. I'm working from home so I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have any friends. I'm really depressed and scared. I feel too weak at this point to even think about living with Matt anymore. I don't have the energy to execute this great project called Living Together and all the steps involved like finding a proper place, moving from my place, arranging all our things and decorating. I'm afraid we couldn't even manage to live together since we both have CPTSD and other problems like depression and anxiety. I feel like I'm not a good partner now because I think only about myself and how miserable I feel. I really don't know what to do. Maybe you can help me. I'd be really grateful if you would. Yours sincerely, Nora. Poor Nora. <laughs> I'm so sorry you're going through this. I hope you see how closely your experience right now is matching what you went through as a kid. Can't change the past, but Nora, we can help you change your life right now. And there's some stuff here that I think having an outside perspective is gonna be really helpful for you. All right, so let's go through the letter. All right, you have CPTSD and ADHD, uh, totally understandable. Parents were immature, emotionally unavailable. Uh, sounds like somebody <laughs> who's in your life now, right? And your dad drank a lot, so you're an adult child of an alcoholic. I know how that is. Right now, I'm on medication and trying to put my life back together. So what you said right there set the whole thing up that your life has fallen apart. And you told us later how, so we'll get to that. For almost four years now, you're dating Matt. Met him online. He had a great, his description was great. He seemed mature, intelligent, strong. Met, fell in love. Felt love for the first time in your life. This is all great. This is growth, right? And your goals seem the same, a long-term relationship. All right, first, I'm just going to ask you about that. Are you not looking to get married? And I ask you because you'll hear me say this in a lot of videos, almost never when I'm coaching somebody who has CPTSD, are they able to say that what they want is marriage. And so they say something like long-term relationship. Well, that could be a relationship of three years. Is that actually what you're aiming for? Or are you hoping for a relationship that you can totally settle down in and live your life and maybe, you know, uh, have a home together. I don't know exactly how old you are or if children are in your future, but to create a family, perhaps, to save for your retirement together, to take care of each other through thick and thin, to have friends together, to volunteer together, the things that normal couples do, like you said. That would be more like a marriage, right? And so I just am going to flag that, that you said a long-term relationship. I think sometimes the, the first problem that's introduced for people with CPTSD when they end up in a really unfulfilling relationship, which you have, is that they are afraid to claim what they actually want. So you have a long-term relationship. You have one right now. It's gone on four years. That's long-term. And it is a relationship, even though it's a thin one. It's thin soup, right? All right. So after a short time, his behavior showed red flags. And that's the great thing about dating when you do it carefully is after a short time, the red flags, if there are any, they're going to appear. But you were already with him, which is totally normal. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. And um, 
he didn't have much time for you as he worked almost 24-7. 24-7? Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of this part that you wrote. You met, you, you met only once a week for some hours. You never went on vacation, never spent Christmas together, never spent a whole night together. All this, he told you, is because he's worn out by his job. He's just so tired. He has severe anxiety, can't do all those things with you. But one day when he gets some rest, he will. Okay, so first, huge red flag here, and you didn't seem to notice it. But this sounds to me like somebody who already is married. Married or living in a relationship. Where is he on Christmas? When does he take a holiday? Where does he sleep? Have you ever been to his house? Have you ever met anybody in his family or any of his close friends? You didn't mention that. Um, and I'm just going to flag that for you to consider as you hear this. Because if when you put two and two together here and consider, does he already live with a partner or married to one? Who knows? Perhaps have a child with one. Does it all fit? Does all the information now fit? Now, if you were to tell me, no, I have been to his house. It's, it's not like that. He's really just messed up. I would say he is severely avoidant. And as you've noticed, he's not available for a, a relationship. He can't even spend the night. That's a level of avoidance. You can call it anxiety or PTSD. Maybe that's what's driving it. But the result is avoidance, inability to have a relationship with you. I think it's great he's going to a therapist, but going to his first therapy appointment is, oh, it's like too little too late, really. I hope he gets better. It could take a long time. These things do. I want to introduce to you the possibility of totally working on yourself as you are and not being in this relationship so that you can be together with somebody who is available, who's available like right now. And when you date and fall in love within a certain amount of time, yes, you can spend whole nights and Christmas and get married and live together and do all that stuff that you want to do. Um, it's funny because sometimes I know I was in the same boat. You need somebody outside yourself to say, you know, Nora, do you see that you just put a big wall up for you not to get what you want? You've just, it's like a wall that prevents you getting what you want because Matt's not the one who's going to give it to you. And because he's there occupying that boyfriend space in your life, nobody else can get to you either. And the time, the time of your life is passing. I'm going to talk about some other aspects of this that really need your attention. Okay. A year or two ago, I would have considered the fact that he went to a therapist a dream come true. Yeah, a year or two, I think that it could have made a difference. But now it just isn't. I guess I'm worn out by this relationship, especially by waiting for him to get it together and finally be with me like a normal couple. Yeah, you don't have to wait. You don't have, a healthy relationship does not involve waiting for somebody to get it together so that they can be with you. That's just by nature, that is an unavailable man. That's what it is. And you know, like no blame to you with an alcoholic dad, with emotionally unavailable parents, like that's what we do. You're having normal symptoms of somebody who had a very abnormal, hurtful upbringing. But here we are, you wrote to me, you can heal this, you can heal this. And you're very brave because I know you watch my videos and you know that I really sometimes just say the truth as hard as it is to hear. But you're blocking out, you're blocking out any possibility of getting what you want right now, Nora. And um, so I'm going to say that to you. Probably you're going to have some tears. I think it's going to come as a relief to just get some validation. Yeah, that's what's going on. And you know what? Sometimes that's what we have to do because 
Intimacy with people is extremely triggering. And if your PTSD is very hard and you know out of control, something's got to give. So I'm noticing you had all this problem with employment after you got in this relationship. That's, a, that's not a good sign for a relationship, but it also suggests that maybe you had like, a, like this little bit of bandwidth for dealing with stuff that's stressful. And if your relationship is gonna be full of worry and stress and no validation, then you can't really, you know, the job, a job would have to be like a perfectly smooth sailing episode to handle it. But jobs are usually kind of, you know, involve some fear and insecurity and strife and conflict sometimes too. And especially if you were a TV reporter, that's pretty intense and very commendable. And if you did it before, you can do it again, you know. But that's hard. And it sounds like you could only do one hard thing at a time. Consider this, Nora, that in the future, you can be alone and or in a relationship that is nourishing and comforting to you so that when you do scary, brave things professionally, your home life supports you and makes it easier and lifts you up a little bit towards where you're trying to go. You get to have that, okay? You deserve it. All right. You want to go on trips. You want to spend holidays together. You didn't get any of these. You really don't know if you ever will. Okay, you know. I think you, you got your answer on this guy. I'm just going to say you do have your answer on this guy. With him, you're not but perhaps with somebody else you will. And by the way, holidays and trips can be wonderful when you're single. And of course there's gonna be some single time. And if your parents, the way that your parents were rough, I would bet dollars to donuts that you, that abandonment is, is a thing, is a trigger for you. So leaving a relationship is difficult and scary and you might avoid it and stay in a cruddy situation that's unhappy for you just because leaving anything is is so emotionally intense you feel like you're going to break but you're in the crappy childhood fairy community now and in fact if you come do the daily practice and come to the free calls and maybe get a buddy you're going to have free instant support and who knows maybe you're able to be in the membership program too with the group coaching but if you can just start learning the daily practice also i'm going to suggest to you i do this to so many people especially when there's financial hard times 12-step programs you have an adult you're an adult child of an alcoholic, yay, you qualify for adult children of alcoholics in Al-Anon, CODA, and those are great places where you can meet friends who are also working on themselves, who can be a positive influence on you, who can help you have people to hang out with, in fact, people to spend holidays with, people to take trips with, like good friends, good friends who make relationships something that would be nice to have that you can step up to when and if you meet somebody who makes you happy, who brings happiness into your life, who supports you, who helps you take a step up in your life. That step up, all right, when you, one really important sign, I'll give you two really important signs of a relationship of when it's right. One is, how do you feel in that relationship? Like what happens to your energy? What happens to your energy? in that relationship. So you're with this guy who's always complaining that he's tired. Now you're tired, you're worn out. You don't have energy for anything. This is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> energy is your life. And the amount of energy that you have is how much life you have to pursue what makes you happy. So energy is so, so important. Anything that drains you, you wanna take a very hard look at it. Because even when it has markers of like, but it's good, but it's great, just check in with how you feel about yourself. How, check in with how you feel about 
um, what you're doing. Check in with just your energy level, the level of peace that you have. You have all the signs here like this relationship is draining you, sweetheart. It's not, it's not only not giving you the things that you want, but it's taking the life out of you. So I just, I'm gonna just kind of shine a light on that problem for you so you can see that for what it is. The other thing that's a sign of a relationship that is good, that we're not seeing here, we're seeing the opposite, is that a good relationship causes you to become a still better version of yourself. You get up, you rise up a little bit because of the relationship. And ideally, your partner will too. Those are, that's a sign that you two are good together, is that you both take a step up. You both become better people. You know, whether that's um, for you um, continuing in your career and maybe moving up towards things that are satisfying, that, are, um, that use your talents and gifts, <laughs> that contribute something to the world. You're saying here you've fallen, you've come down the ladder so far that you can't even support yourself. There it is, okay? This is where I would just draw the line. I would draw the line on this relationship. If you can't support yourself, your, your, your dad's gone, but your mom is, um, you know, has been immature and emotionally unavailable. Chances are it's a big trigger for you. Going home is not a great option for you. You can't move in with this guy. It's time to draw the line and begin to take care of yourself and nourish yourself spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, psychologically, and to start doing the good things that you need. And you could use a metaphor, you know, mercury poisoning, that somehow you're eating something, you're eating uh, some fish. <laughs> Here where I live, we have a bay, and if you eat fish out of it too much, you could get mercury poisoning. And mercury poisoning will start draining the life out of you and affect you cognitively and you know, start putting your light out and it can kill you. So the first step is stop eating the mercury. And that means just time to draw that hard boundary with this guy. And I, trust me, he's gonna understand. He will understand. And you're gonna go through withdrawal after you've been neglected so much in your life it's really, really hard to end a relationship, I know. So you prepare for it by setting yourself up with nice, good friends to go to, places to go to, uh, someplace that there's a Saturday night get-together is ideal, and a lot of 12-step fellowships have that. If the program that you choose doesn't have it, one thing is open AA meetings. There's, a, there's generally a lot more Alcoholics Anonymous meetings around, so even if you're not an alcoholic, there are two categories of AA meetings, and one is open, and that means anybody can come if they're interested. They can't necessarily share, but they have a place to go, and afterwards people are generally very friendly to you. I've been to many, many of them. I'm not an alcoholic. Many, 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 many of them. And I've, I've been so helped by being there. Um, or, and then there's closed AA meetings, and so you can't go to those. But if you look in the schedule, AAs are very good usually about having um, Saturday night meetings because that's a vulnerable weekend nights are a vulnerable time for people it's a time when many of us feel extra alone and are tempted to go back to the man or in their case you know go back to the bar so having a really safe lovely supportive place to go can be life-changing and give you the strength and support that you need to make this change in your life to cut off that little bit of contact and love and touch that you have and replace it with something sustainable and good and as you heal, then this circle of people in your life who love you starts to grow and grow and grow and grow. There's so much to learn. Boy, when you're the kid of an alcoholic and you haven't yet um, had a, a, a full relationship or you've just had these kind of like breadcrumb relationships, 
there's so much to learn. And if you, if you can be supported and loved and continually working on stuff on yourself in these environments, then you can learn those lessons nice and fast. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to take forever. That's one thing that some of us have been told is this is going to take a long time. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe you can start feeling better today. And I always am recommending my daily practice for anybody who needs to start feeling better today. It's a practice. I use it every day, twice a day. I used it this morning and it just after 27 years, it's still like just helps clear the cobwebs when I wake up in the morning, helps me let go of the stress at the end of the day, helps clear my head so I can have a fresh and new perspective, a new idea, a more peace inside. And you'd be very surprised what you can do in life when you have that. So finally, Nora, I wanted to talk about all this, the hard stuff that happened that's, that you had no control over. And this is uh, the loss of your dad and your nephew. And I'm just so sorry. It's strange sometimes how all the bad things cluster together. But I tend to think, because that's happened to me, I've had a few periods in my life when a, a whole bunch of bad things happened at once. And while it was so painful and disappointing and lonely going through those times, I gotta say that the most growth I ever had was during those times. Sometimes it's the loss that helps us confront the ways that we have been afraid to step forward into our lives and to start to become who we really are. That's what we're doing this for. That's what we're healing is not just to get the guy, not just to have the vacation or the Christmas, but to become fully ourselves. And that is what's in store for you, Nora. That's what you didn't get to do yet. That's why things just inherently feel unsatisfying. And the more you come into yourself, the more situations that are, you know, unfulfilling and look better on the outside than on the inside will quickly become apparent to you and you'll have the courage to step back very early in the process and not spend years on them in the future. You can, you can date and dating is a chance to get to know people and see if they're the one. So I, I want you to, I want you to just be so happy, Nora. I want you to have everything you want. What you want is so reasonable and good and fair to have that be your heart's desire. You deserve it. You deserve it. And it will happen naturally for you if you can stop taking the poison of this breadcrumb relationship and, and change that fundamental pattern of yours to accept emotional neglect. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.